Hello and welcome to At The Source. I'm Alex and this is Karis. This is a podcast about food stories. We love talking about food and eating it. And now we're on a mission to record and share interesting food stories from people all over the UK and beyond. Join us as we explore food in all its glory. Welcome to At The Source. Today's guest is Danielle Ellis, baker, blogger, and world champion slow gin maker. Danielle's background is in marketing, but she had a sea change of sorts and went to France for four months to learn how to make proper bread. She now runs small baking classes, blogs about food, and has even been a judge at the World Bread Awards. I was lucky enough to do a baking class with Danielle in 2017, and we've been friends ever since. In fact, Danielle was the first person we ever interviewed for the podcast more than a year ago, but now that we've found our feet, we're back again to do it properly. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much for doing this again all over with us. (laughs) That's good. Having us back for the second time to your lovely home. (laughs) Uh, smells of bread as you imagine it would do being yes. that Danielle bakes so what is your first food memory? I've been thinking about this because I obviously listen to the podcast thank you so I'm going to have one it's not exactly my first but I think it was the one that made me realize about food most so um, obviously I'm very bit older than you are so when we when I was about 12 we went to France a whole group for, for us uh, from the from the school, and we were staying in I think what was a convent, and we were having meal, meals communally, and it was something very very different for us. And we went down in the morning, and there was this white stuff to eat, and we everybody was gradually tasting it, and we went, "Ugh, what's this disgusting <laughs> stuff? This is horrible!" And you can imagine there's sort of like thirty twelve year olds making a, this <laughs> noise, and then somebody actually added some sugar in it. Well, it was it was actually yogurt, and it was before oh, there was yo- no, it was yogurt, and it was just before anybody had yogurt. I know it's coming out of our ears now, but we didn't know what it was, and we didn't think we'd like it. But then, you know, adding sugar, there you go, fixes most things, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. And all by right. the end of the week, you were all yeah, absolutely gobbling it up for yes. breakfast. Yeah, and did that kind of start your I feel like it's a very long term love affair with France probably not because my parents uh, actually took us took me to France every summer from the age of I'm not sure my mum's not with me anymore to ask but I would say six or seven we'd go every year and we'd take the car and we'd drive and of course the memory there is baguettes Mm. So you go to the, the bakery and, uh, of course, you had to eat the end. Yes. You know, so um, then you had the rest for lunch. But that's really what I remember. We went to France so much. And that was unusual again because people didn't tend to go away on holiday an awful lot. Or if they did, they usually went to Benidorm. Oh, <laughs> I, I feel like you've definitely scored very well there with yes. parents who took you to France. Yes, definitely. And while we're still talking about France, if you could pick a favourite region, because I know that you've been you've been to a lot of them. Yes. I mean, last year I think you were in the Champagne region, and yes. this year you've been to Nice. So if you could pick one place you could go back to and spend a few weeks just... Well, I, because it's this time of year, I'd say round Agen, in the, um, because that's where all the prunes are, are made. And it's a really beautiful. The, the trees all turn golden, gorgeous colours. And then you've got this amazing produce. So, yes, but there's so many places I love in France. And so do you usually hire a, a house for a while and then you just do all your own cooking? Or are you... Tend to... These days it's in, tends to be more Airbnb. 
Of course. But we used to go and in a, get a jeet, and some of those were quite interesting in that the cattle were definitely below in one one of them. Oh, and wow. We were up the top, and that was in um, near Ansi. Uh, it was fantastic, fantastic. So lots of adventures. But mm. because I speak French well, it, it doesn't really worry me because you can usually make yourself pretty well understood and mm. and if there's any issues, you can talk to people and sort things out. On the subject of Danielle speaking French, yes. next question. <laughs> next question. Okay, so I don't know what the next question is. <laughs> so on the subject of you speaking French. <laughs> Professional. <laughs> I think what... Karis is going to say is that we love your story of how you you got into baking and bread and the thing that is the most exciting is that you decided to go to France for four months and yes. learn to be a baker. So do you want me to tell you the story? I think I'll, so. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start a little bit further back. When I first met my husband he was sharing a house with a mad Scotsman called Dave and every Sunday morning he would make bread and he would literally throw the bread... Well, it sounded as though he was throwing the bread around the room. But he taught me to bake. And then I baked and baked and baked. And then I thought, this, this is a bit boring what I'm doing. I'm just doing the same old thing. And, and many years passed. And so I thought, oh, I, but I'd love to make croissant. I'll go and Richard Bertinet. And so I went off and then realised that I absolutely knew nothing. And I love the way he taught because he's actually very strict. He just, you know, you do have to get on with it. It's not a lifestyle course. So I thought I'd save up and do his five-day course, which really was the revelation. And I think there's at least five people who are on the course who are actually doing something professionally. We met one of them at Abergavenny yes, this year, actually. absolutely. We did, the Abergavenny Baker. The, the only other person I know who bakes bread quite well. I said, oh, my friend Danielle, she <laughs> bakes bread. <laughs> I know Danielle, we did the same course. Yeah. No way. Which is really quite something when you think about it. It is, yeah. Anyway. So after that, I thought, oh, I'd, I'd like to do more. But if you try and find anything in the UK for adults that isn't just that level, mm. how you go on to next... Certainly there was absolutely nothing. There is the School of Artisan Food now, but uh, you have to have £18,000 to go on that one. Oof. Just just <coughs> a easy-peasy 18 grand, you know? Yeah. So I thought, well, first of all, I really need to know whether I can actually do this because am I physically able to do it? So I signed up for Woof, which um, keeps changing what it means, but Worldwide Workers on Organic Farms or... Willing workers on exactly, which farms. actually has come up in a, an interview that we did recently with Steph Weatherall from um, oh from Bristol um, Food Food Connections, yeah. Connections yeah. Yeah. Yes. and that's what she did in Canada. Sorry, I'm interrupting. But, yes, no. um, carry on. It's it's an amazing thing. So you you go onto the website and you think, well, I, okay, I want to go to this country or that region or whatever else, and there's a list of all these things that you can go and do to help people. And there was one in Normandy that you could go and help in a bakery for two weeks. Fine, let's go and do Did that. Did they pay you an apple cider by any chance? No, okay. you, don't, you don't get paid. You go and you get your accommodation and, and food. Apple cider on the side. <laughs> I don't think... I, it, I know it's ridiculous. But that was quite a revelation because when I got there, it was a, a bakery that everything was wood-fired. But not only that, they had no machinery. So everything mm. was done by hand. So it was mixing doughs 25 kilos at a time in troughs. Wow. So I thought, well, if I can get through that, I can get through anything. It was ex- it's great because we actually baked the bread and then we went off to Caen Market and sold it. So you were actually meeting the people that 
your the bread who were eating the bread fairly rustic sort of bread I'd say um but that was amazing so I thought right okay I, I can do that and I was living in Edinburgh at the time and knew quite a few bakers there and I was talking to one called Katya and I said I was saying about I'd love to go and do more and she said well did you realize that I only trained eight years ago I said, oh, no, no. She said, well, there's all these conversion courses in France that you can go and change your career, that you can go and bake. And so she put me in touch with the one that she'd been to and uh, found various other ones. And one of the things you had to do was go and test it if you spoke French well enough. Phew. (coughs) That unsorted. So, but I went to the French Institute and you actually, somebody had to test you that you're a certain level. Because, of course, the entire thing is taught in French. Yes, yeah. But coincidentally, she then said, oh, well, the people I get my flour from, they do this training course for the people who are going to take the branding for Burnett. And they have a a school, and they're actually opening it up to foreigners. So I'm a foreigner. For the first time ever. And they've never done it since. I still don't know why they did it. So, long story short, that's where I ended up going. Four months. And that was four months. Yes. At any point did you think, oh my God, I'm crazy, what am I doing? Oh yes, yes, because (laughs) we'd been to Japan and I had to be there on a particular day and we'd already booked going to Japan and I came back and it was, I think, the Saturday and I had to be there on the Sunday (gasps) or something like that and I had to drive my car from Edinburgh (gasps) to France. Oh my goodness. And it's it's in the Loire, which is an hour and a half on the train south of, of Paris. It's a long way. And I'd never done that sort of thing on my own anyway. Wow. And what I'd driven. But yeah. Anyway, so that was... That was <laughs> that That's was the commitment, first bit. though, isn't it? <clears throat> yes. But um, how did you get past the sort of... You know, because we all get some version of imposter syndrome and all these sorts of things. How did you get past that? Oh, my God, am I just crazy? Should I be here? I'm not sure that it ever quite went. I think because I was older than the others and also female because there's very very few bakers that go through their scheme that are females because in France usually when somebody starts up a bakery they have to have a qualification but it's usually a husband and wife team and she does the front of house and she does the front of house right so it's very unusual and so to begin with I don't know that they knew what to make of me at all (laughs) and you were an enigma Yes, which you know was hard, but I made myself do things like my my tutor had a son who wanted some English tuition, and I wasn't getting on with him too well to begin with. Uh, but I thought, well, okay, this will help, won't mm. it? <laughs> and then I ended up teaching him. And he was, oh, it was, it was fantastic, and it was just the right thing to do. But it was all of those things I kept making sure I. Mm. No, I don't think I was ever in my comfort zone. <laughs> so what year, what year does that bring us to? You've just So that's 2014. So 2014, you've finished this course, yes. you get back to Edinburgh and you go, what's next? Quite. And then you realise that it's going to be just as difficult to try and work in a bakery because most of the bakeries, are, certainly around there, were very small. So if you went and asked them, they said, well, we've got all the staff we need. Mm. Um, I had done my work experience. The, the four months was, was cut up into two sets of two months, and I came back in the middle and I did a month's training with a wholesale bakery who happened to make a lot for patisserie, Valerie, so goodness knows what's happening with them at the oh, minute. Oh, dear. 
So that was an amazing experience. But it was very, very difficult to get mm. find a job. So I thought, well, OK, I'll start teaching instead. That actually leads really nicely into one of our questions, which I am prepared for this time. <laughs> um, one of the things we were going to ask you was what was the kind of the hardest point of turning your passion or your hobby into a, a career? And you've kind of answered that a little bit. But so mm. essentially you decided to go down the route of teaching. Yes. Yes, and I'm I'm not sure it's still right, because I think living in Edinburgh is a very different thing to living in Gloucestershire, and I love, absolutely love living here, but I don't think I realised quite how many people I knew in Edinburgh, Mm. and of Mm. course it's more like Bristol is, is that you've got a captive audience very close to you, and because the blog I wrote um, was extremely successful, and there were four of us writing it, in the end, there's still four people writing it, and it's mm. still very successful. But it, we were invited to everything. Everybody knew us, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so you could make the best of it that way. Yeah, of course. Have you found, so, you know, it's four years down the track now. Mm. and Don't rub it in. <laughs> no, no, no. It's we just, think you're doing what, fantastically what, well. What do you think? What's one of the you know key things that you've learned in that time about taking something from hobby to you know whether it's part time job or? I think the thing is is that I do know I know what I'm doing, which might sound a bit odd or whatever. But what I learnt there was absolutely fantastic. So it's a real core. So you have recipes that you know you can adapt, but you know that they'll always work. That you've got uh, other fundamentals of how you do things like batch bake bake in bulk, how you put things in oh, in the cold for overnight and then you can start them off again. All of this fundamentals, how to do your pricing, um, how to do merchandising, all of that was, was taught. So that is, is there. So I suppose a lot of the time you just have to think, well, I do know what I'm doing. Mm. So, mm. And I can pass that on, that's lovely. And you clearly do because mm. you on more than one occasion now, have been a judge at the World Bread Awards. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's lovely. Um, I've, I entered it uh, hmm, 2016, I think, and I, I won a, a bronze award in my category. And then I was asked if I'd like to judge. And it, it's a great thing because um, you know what it's like when you can actually talk to people who are as geeky as you about something? Yes, well, yeah. actually, yes. <laughs> so that doesn't happen that often with, with bakers because we're kind of solitary bunch necessarily, really. Mm. So what's great fun is to go and chat to people and um, talk about what you're tasting and doing and that sort of thing. But it, it, it is an extraordinary thing because there's about 600 breads. Wow. And this year there were fewer judges than they anticipated for one reason or another. So we were tasting maybe... 30 breads or something like that in the category I was in. And you have to then put them in a certain order, which is is interesting because you're, you're given lots of support, lots of guidelines, etc. But, you know, when you've tasted one and then you're on your 20th, mm. you're thinking, you know, some of them absolutely stand out, but other ones you think, that's really nice, but... Yeah, and you don't actually have an awful lot of time to go back and and retaste. And I guess there's not really an like a palate cleanser equivalent while you're no, tasting. No, no, it's there. true because it's like, <laughs> yes, it's just how water. Do you, really. How do you actually do it? 
I know this sounds like a really obvious mm. question, but do you take a, a little slice of each? Do you have it with butter? Do you? How does it actually happen? Well, I, I'm I'm hoping I can remember everything because I, they are very very good at teaching you how to do all of this. So first of all, as a on mass, they go through about how you would approach this loaf and what you would actually do with it. You would sniff it, you would look at it, you would cut it, and you finally taste it. And so that's done en masse. And then if you're a leader of your group, they then make other comments as well, because if somebody's helping you, you want to make sure that they're happy as well. And mm. that they may not be as experienced. I mean, some people are more from, say, the ingredient side, which is fantastic. You know, mm. So it's all very varied but the key thing to start with is that you look at the table and you actually look at the the ones and think which look most appealing so that's a kind of starting point you're thinking okay those look most appealing Mm. and then depending on what category you're in you're then tasting the various things and doing all of those other tastes and smells and the smell of fresh bread i'm imagining you're looking at not just the the look you're probably looking at the look of the crust Mm -hmm. The, the the way the crumb is. Yes, absolutely. And the smell. The colouring. And the texture. Yes. And the colouring. Yeah. yeah. And the taste. And the, like, I don't know, sometimes even the aftertaste, I yes, imagine. Yes, absolutely. I just, I, yes. so many points. There, there, there are so many points. And, and it did get a little bit heated at one point. <laughs> but luckily, you know, there, there is a, a lead judge who, who kind of, you know, just says, right, okay, that's... Um, because what happens is that there are say six tables and you take over your best one or two and then those best one or two are then judged again as saying right okay which ones are going to be one two and three as Mm. it were and and, at no point do we know who's made them where they've come from or anything so it's just a number there's absolutely no way that you could possibly know who's done them so what was your category this year sourdough (gasps) Oh, I I love sourdough, but whenever I talk about sourdough, you don't get quite as excited as I do. I I think the there is an awful lot of real geeks about sourdough, and I'm not a real geek. I think I live with one <laughs> because I I think um, it's it's fantastic stuff, but it, people can get just a little too wound up about it. It's it's if when they're especially when they're judging. Yeah. I think it's really funny you say that because I kind of feel that way because I love a good um, sourdough, but I don't like those sourdough with the really, really open crumb that mm. almost looks like lace mm. because I actually want to eat the bread. I yes. want to be able to put yeah. my yeah. butter somewhere. This is the problem with toast because sourdough, I definitely think, makes the best toast. Mm. But if it's full of holes, <laughs> and the butter just drops through yes. and it's yes. all on your plate. So <laughs> that was it because we had one which was absolutely beautifully light and things like that but then as you're saying if on a personal level is that Mm. the one you choose Mm. maybe not so that this is why you 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 need to understand yeah and i guess why there's several of you absolutely Absolutely. like the jury yes (laughs) the bread jury now with the rise and you know pun sort of intended there (laughs) with the rise of great british bake-off Yes. Are you? Do you think there are more people who are baking generally, and and more people getting into say more bread than they ever were before? I'm sure people are baking more, but I would have said that it's more cakes. I think it's. I think what they show is is frustrating because it's often very little time, and I think if actually people 
thought, okay, they made such and such in an hour and a half, you wouldn't normally be able to do that. Mm. So I think that could be a bit soul-destroying for people. Mm. Yeah. So, but anything that encourages people, fantastic. But um, I I don't know, it would be an interesting thing to find out, wouldn't it, really? Definitely, I think more people are baking, as in cake baking. Mm. Uh, Not me personally, because I'm useless at baking, but... Well, you haven't done my courses, have you? <laughs> I have baked with you before, yes. and I'm not. Uh, I love to bake, yes. and I've got some successful yes. loaves of bread in my time. But I baked with you, and I learned a lot. Are there days where, you know, do you still feel like you're still learning every day, despite the fact that you're not going to a course or you're not, you don't have your teacher in front of you? Do you still feel like you're learning every day? Oh, definitely. And I think that's the exciting part about it because you want, you think about different flavours. I often do this and you just think, oh, is that going to work? Well, I'll have a try with that. And so you have, and also you often get samples from people and say, would you like to try this? And so you're oh, very excited about this. Um, and try things and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And... You mentioned something that um, Carrie spotted online earlier that you'd, invented yesterday and it worked really well what was that it wasn't bread at all it was um I love making pastry that's my other thing I suppose and um I made some lemon curd earlier in the week which I might taste earlier later um Mm -hmm. um and I because I also make a lot of ice cream I always have meringue or I always have egg whites left and I looked at this curd and I was thinking really Sometimes when you're making a lemon tart, it's a bit too solid. So I, I beat up the egg whites, the two egg whites that I had, and added it to the curd and baked it. Had some blueberries on top just because there were some left, as you do. Um, by the way, the pastry was baked blind first, and then you put this down. I wouldn't expect anything less from you. <laughs> no soggy bottom. And it, was just, it just came out beautifully, and it was really like... If you can imagine a baked mousse. <laughs> yeah, almost like a souffle yes. type thing. Yes. The photo looked amazing. Thank you. And I was just there going, oh my gosh, I have so many questions to ask. <laughs> but we'll leave, leave that till we yes. stop recording. Um, you like baking pastry, but you also love to, um, your specific sort of joy is vinoiserie. Probably, yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's rather amusing because if my tutor was here, he would laugh because I had so much trouble making croissant to begin with, the shaping. And he'd be standing behind and he'd be saying, no, 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 you do like this, like this. <laughs> or, or like, you know, what, whatever I did, it wasn't right. Sounds like my grandmother, to be yes. honest. Yes, I remember you saying about that. And, and it was sort of like, oh, I'm never going to get this right. But one day I did. And then after that, <laughs> I can it clicked. <laughs> but I think that's why I like teaching people, because I can remember so much mm. how hard I felt certain things and thinking I've been there (laughs) I've done that I can help but yes so I guess being was really just fun because they're you know lots of sweet stuff Mm. yum (laughs) and what would you say um, aside from probably croissant uh, what would you say is one of your favorite things to make and I know it's like choosing 
your favourite all time movie. But I think it's nice to think about these. Apart things. from croissant, not you, you choose croissant. No, no, you can't choose croissant, okay. but you can choose your top three if that's going to oh, be really nice. Oh, three. <laughs> yeah. um, you brought it back there. Cardamom cinnamon buns. Oh, yeah. You know, oh. Twisty ones. Yeah. Oh. Very sort of uh, scandy, aren't they? Yes, yes, very scandy. And babka, I think. Which is actually you have mentioned your babka before, and I've seen yes. the photo. That's what you entered the World Bread Awards on, wasn't it? I did originally, yes. Mm. Um, but you know, but there's so many things out there, and you, you Instagram, you know, you mm. look at things and you think, oh, that's interesting. There was one the other day that they had done their cinnamon cardamom buns in a completely different way, and you think, wow. And that was nice from the geeky point of view. It's, mm. It wasn't so much, oh, aren't these the most fantastic? This is how you do this. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Shall I ask a really mean question? Yes. If you could only bake one thing ever <laughs> again and you were not allowed to bake anything else. Oh, gosh. But you can choose croissant for this but one. But you can. You want. Yeah. <laughs> well, it depends what circumstances I'd be in. Is it the, the one thing I'd have to eat forever? Oh, I actually could live off croissant. <laughs> as long as they were real, me too, real but butter, really well, flaky. You know, I need to have some bread and marmite, you know. I have to, <sighs> you're a mar- I'm a marmite mm. lover. Yeah. So, so probably some bread. Some bread. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with like just a basic sourdough Yeah. that I can... See, the beauty is with a sourdough, and this is one of the, Sometimes there was one time where I was like, oh, I don't want to go out and get something for dinner, and there's nothing in mm. the fridge. So I had sourdough because I went over the road, and I uh, brushed some olive oil on each side, put it in the pan, cooked it on one side, then, pr- then turned it over, and then I got some um, chocolate and put it on top so it <gasps> melted, and then I sprinkled Ooh. it with salt. Oh. But tell me, why, why do you feel you only can do that with sourdough? Because there's all sorts of breads you could do that with. Well, you, you could do, <laughs> but sourdough just has a different texture, <clears throat> and also the, the tang... Well, that it's you can cheat. Has. You can yeah. actually add sourdough starter into your mixture. Yeah, I'm not saying no. It's the texture. I just don't think you can get yeah. the same texture. The from... trouble is with sourdough that it takes time. Yeah, which is lovely, but you know, if you've got it, if you've got time, yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's um, the one thing that Richard Bertinet said to us when we were doing the course: we're not doing sourdough until the fourth day because I need you to understand how you make bread. Mm. And I think that is so key. Mm. I agree. That you cannot start with sourdough. You've got to know how to make it all properly before mm. you get onto it. Absolutely agree. Mm. Last question. Yeah. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that you uh, have been a world slogan champion. <laughs> now, that's slightly <laughs> uh, a very different sort of thing to making bread. Yes. So how did that come about? How did it come about? Well, there's a competition that's on every year and um, it's for charity and it's in an, in Kent and you have to send off your little bottle of slow gin and it raises money, so which is fantastic. Mm. And so people can actually do that this year as well. Um, we'll we have to dig the link out and put yes. that on, on the website. We've been to Croatia and I don't know if you've ever been there, but everywhere you go there are jars of fruit that are outside on the ledges of, of the houses or on the roofs or things like that in the summertime. And we asked about them and they said, oh, no, that's how we make our local liqueur. We, we actually put them in the sun, in the alcohol, which is, I think, uh, something that comes from the grape-making process that they use, but it, it macerates and everything else. And we're thinking, well, this is very odd because normally you're supposed to keep things dark, mm, aren't you? Yeah. And when it's in the direct sunlight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
So when I saw this competition, I thought, right, I'm going to try doing it how they do in Croatia. And so I did, and I came out, and I thought, wow, this is really good. So we've had it wrong all these years then. Well, it's, it seems to be a way of doing it, and it works. And I thought, well, the Croatians can't all be wrong, can they? they yeah. Admittedly, they weren't using slow slows, but mm. they were doing it with everything else. And, and it so was that's delicious how you did it. stuff. You yeah. put it on your windowsill. Well, you see there's one up there now. <laughs> well, and that wow. is what makes World Championship gin. Well, I don't know, but it's, it was fun. I just like to do things like that. It's, I love experimenting. If you read my blog, I'm always mm. trying different make things like clotted cream or whatever else so you know we will link to your blog yes. um and to your yes. classes thank um, you and to you on your that's social lovely. media channels but just i just really mean that it's that's what i am i love you know you don't sit there and say oh I'll make the same old thing yeah <laughs> no of course yeah. not and and you know it's <clears throat> i think it's really interesting that you you did have this moment where you're like i don't want to do this anymore <laughs> oh, i want to make bread and then oh, I'm yes. going to have a go at making slow gin. And <clears throat> yes. I'm just, you know, I like the fact that you're, you know, you like to experiment. <laughs> and I can see your experiments and I can go, oh, that looks all right. I'm going to see that <laughs> yes, except I, I have to admit, I did mention this late, earlier, that I had a real disaster with um, some bread earlier this week. But the yeast had had it. And oh, yeah. I think I could have um, sunk the Titanic with it, really. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Does that, do, do you still get quite a few sort of fails when you bake and it kind of not that often no, that it was quite a many. shock <laughs> that one was I mean there, there's often things that don't come out exactly as you want but they're definitely edible yeah but then this, this one was just <laughs> catastrophic oh what did gosh. you do feed it to the birds or? it's just gone in the food <laughs> bin <laughs> do you know what yeah I'm going to say it because I'm always the one that, that rings the, the end bell, but I think we're just about out of time. Yeah. But this has been fab, and thank you so much for um, allowing us to visit you for take two. Yes. After um, when Karis and I first started, tried to start this podcast over a year ago, and Danielle was very kind to let us kind of come and experiment, and we didn't quite get it right. I think we've nailed it this time, so... We'll finally get to publish that episode, because we... <laughs> We really think that your story is interesting. So Thank you. that's why we keep coming back to you. <laughs> and on that note, if you liked Danielle's story, uh, you'll probably like some of the other stories that we have on the podcast. You can find it on SoundCloud, iTunes, and if you go to atthesource.com, you can find all of the episodes listed there. And if you could rate us five stars on iTunes, that'd be great because that means other people can find out about At The Source and people like Danielle. That's it then. Brilliant. Oh, and also follow us on Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, we're on Twitter, at the source. <laughs> and until next time. Over and out. <laughs> <laughs>